0: James chapter 5, we're walking through the book of James, we only have a couple more weeks really in it, Uh, we were going to spend the next two weeks following this week, I'm going to tell you, uh, once again Nathan is thrilled to work here because I changed next week already and we're going to spend next week really walking through our vision, there's about 400 people who are coming to Chapel Point right now who've started since the new school year. And so we want to make sure you understand really what the vision is for this church and what God is doing in this place and what matters to us biblically. And we're going to walk through that vision of what it looks like to be transformed followers of Jesus who passionately respond to God, who are rooted in prayer and equipping disciples. And what, that, what does that mean to us? What do we believe God is doing not only here but within a community And what do we believe He is desiring for us in order to be faithful to Him? And so next week, we're going to be able to walk through much of that. But this week, we're in James chapter 5, and this is how God works. I didn't plan this. I thought James was initially going to be a four-week series that started the end of September. And here we are in February. And part of that means uh, God just kept lining things up because... Here I am, and we're asking for you guys to fast and to pray with us about the elder retreat and what God is wanting to do in this place. And then I come to the passage that is lined up for today, and guess what it's on? Prayer. Isn't God good? Prayer is a a topic um, It's actually a bit sad to me, not prayer itself, but what we've done to it. Because many of us, especially, I think, men, we hear prayer and we go, oh, man, I got to be quiet and alone, and I got to call out to God, and I don't know how to do that. So basically, I tell them what I want them to do. But prayer is one of the most exciting things that we can speak about because prayer is what? It's communing with God. And so I, we need to, some of us just need to change our mentality when it comes to prayer, Right? We, we don't lump it in the same category as, hey, I get to go to the ball game or I get to go see my kid do this or I get to go and participate in this exciting merger or acquisition of a business. or We don't merge it in, or put it in that same category, but we should because it's communing with God. And so right now, I, I think part of my prayers I was preparing for today is that we would all be in a, a place of kind of altering, shifting our mindset when you hear prayer that you don't go, oh, prayer, you go, wow, prayer. And we get excited about that because he jumps in and really it's about praying with power, recognizing what prayer really is. As we move forward in our faith, the greater understanding you have of God, the more that's going to impact your prayer life and what that is. And how we're to move forward in our relationship. And so let's just go ahead and jump into this passage. Um, oh, mercy. It's it's 947. I'm going to tell you, I want to say I'm just going to go really quick, be ready, but I just think we're going to be late today. Um, Everybody okay with that? Just a little bit late. I'm not going to ask if anybody's not okay with that. James chapter 5, verse 13 and following. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Um, I want to just go ahead and stop right there because what we find, three very different situations right away. And we've all been in that place of where we feel that we're suffering, yes? And we've all been in that place of where we feel cheerful, And we've also been in that place where we're sick or someone that we know is sick or hurting. And yet really the response, even in the praise, the response is the same. It's prayer. And so we need to pray when we're suffering. This is just verse 13. We need to pray when we're happy, when we're doing well, when we're cheerful. And we we, we need to pray when we're sick. He's calling out right away. And remember, here's James. He's writing to believers and he's letting them know. That regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what's happening, we need to be consistent in our prayer because prayer is the mark of genuine faith. So he just calls it out right away. In any scenario, in any situation, right, even in the, that praise and even in that worship to God that's what we need to be doing. We are to pray we're to sing praise to God we're to give God glory, and then we do when we do that, it puts our focus back on him. tell you sometimes um, i've even led my family in times of, of worship, and we'll just crank a song and uh, we're not uh, i've got some kids who can play piano and percussion and stuff, but we 're not the the, the Partridge family, they can just pull out the instruments, and here we go. We're not that family. And so we use this little thing called uh, radio. Um, and we turn it on, and we just start going. And when I, f- I find myself doing that, especially in times when I don't, f- when I don't feel like it. And when I feel like that, we're getting on to each other and we're, you know, you always have those siblings who I think they excel at just trying to pick on the, the nerves of one of their other siblings. And I just go, okay, we need to stop, guys. And we, it causes us to refocus because here's what happens is when we pray and when we sing praise to God, it puts our focus back on him rather than ourself. And so we pray when we're suffering, we pray when we're happy, we pray when we're sick. And then he jumps in in 14 through 16, and he says, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. This is speaking right back to verse 13 about the sick. And it says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. and, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it." is working. Now, I want to get ahead and speak about something right here because uh, one of the things that people ask is, okay, what, what's with the oil then? So you're saying that whenever I'm sick, just throw some oil on. I got some EVOO in my kitchen cabinet. Is that all I need? Well, we need to look at what's been happening in Scripture. Um, wounds. When people would have a wound, often they would anoint those with oil to clean them. Certainly, it's this... Is Let's think of it as even as water. Their water wasn't clean. That's why they often drank, yes, wine. And those with headaches, they, and if, those who wanted to avoid disease, they were often anointed with, with olive oil. And, and primarily, what we find even in Scripture is that it was for medicinal purposes. Yes, it was used to anoint priests and rulers, but that was really about a consecration to God being symbolic of, hey, this is someone whom you have called, and so we are recognizing that, and we will support that individual. We know that it was primarily medicinally used as an ointment even for injury, but not necessarily for sickness, for those bruises and those wounds that I mentioned previously. We find that in Isaiah 1, verse 6. The Good Samaritan, maybe you know that story. He used oil on the injuries of the injured person. Um, you can find that in the middle of Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, 34. We find it other places also. Ancient oils used uh, even on sheep for scratches and for bruises. Uh, you can find that even in Psalm 23. And yes, God can choose to heal. God can choose not to heal. In 2 Timothy 4.20, we even find friends of Paul who were sick, and yet they remained sick. And so when this is speaking about healing and this is speaking about using oil, one, I want to encourage you, and because you need to know where we stand as a church, we know that that was primarily used uh, for medicinal purposes and it was used for symbolic reasons. But God is the ultimate call on whether someone is made well or not. Not us. Not us. And so we pray for healing. But even as we pray for healing, we also trust the Lord's sovereign plan. I know that a couple, it's been almost two years, just under two years that my father passed away. And uh, every single time, for many years, many of you know the story, but uh, for about almost nearly 20 years, uh, he averaged being in the hospital for at least a week at a time, three to four times a year for 20 years. Um, And so throughout that journey, all right, I found myself praying differently as I matured in my faith. I found myself learning to pray differently, even with him present. And I found my father, this amazing man of God, praying differently as well. And it went from God, heal me, to God, regardless, let me reflect you. I'm not saying that was an easy prayer, my friends. I am not saying that. But what we learn is that we can pray for healing, but regardless, we are to trust in the Lord's plan. As we also look at this passage and learning to trust in the Lord's plan, I think about Daniel chapter 3. Now in a a few weeks, we're going to jump into a series on Daniel. And I'm excited about that partially because I think Daniel is a story of being that catalyst for a spiritual awakening amongst a dry culture. Right, that, The very thing that uh, Fred and Josh were speaking to you about with the Elder Retreat, I think he's the, that's a great example of what it is to serve as a catalyst for a spiritual awakening in a dry culture. But we look at Daniel chapter 3 and it says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of our hand, O King. But if not... But if he doesn't deliver us, it's another way of saying if he doesn't even maybe heal us, regardless, we will not serve any other God. And so we learn from this passage. Also in this, it it tells us about at the very end of verse 16, it tells us that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working a righteous person refers to a person who is committed to doing the will of God and, and cultivating a right relationship, cultivating a right relationship with him, building a right relationship with him, and that's really based on prayer. That's why James, and uh, possibly I mentioned it before, his nickname was actually Camel Knees. You know this? Because his knees had, had calluses on them for praying so much on his knees to the Almighty. And when you're praying and when you're calling out to God, you're cultivating that right relationship with him. One of the reasons I think we struggle with prayer is because when you make prayer about you, you've made prayer too small. Think about it. I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to petition him and to call out to him. I'm not saying that at all. He tells us that we need to do so. But when you only make it about what you're designing for yourself, you make it, you make it way too small. You make it too small. When I make, if I make prayer to my God only about me, what I've done is I'm going to get bored real quick because I know who I am as a sinner. But when I'm making my prayer primarily about God, all of a sudden it opens up my view and my understanding, my perspective of what prayer really is. And there's an eagerness for it. And I'm not saying always. I've told you I've had those seasons of going, I just, I don't want to. But he calls out what it is to be truly righteous. To truly call out the name of God. And so, this is what I'd like us to do today. As we look at this passage, I want to call out some things that I think can truly help us with prayer. I need to go ahead and tell you now in the back, I'm skipping over a couple of things here. Um, But I want to look at a few things that I think can help, help us. And so, if you would, make sure you're writing these things down. So go ahead and grab out that bulletin if you haven't already to fill in some stuff. And if the person next to you hasn't grabbed something, nudge them just a little bit and say, it's in the love of Jesus, brother. All right? Here are a few things that what prayer truly does. Because Scripture tells us that we're to be praying continually. We find that, right? But prayer opens our eyes to what God is doing around us. Something I've spoken about with the elders numerous times, I've spoken about it here, I want to keep doing it. I've taught my children that prayer opens our eyes to the things around us, to what God is doing around us. That's so why we wanted you to pray for the elder retreat, because we don't want our own desires to get in the way of godly desires. Another thing that does is prayer reminds us of our dependence upon God. In verse 13 and following, you find whether you're cheerful or whether you're sick, right? Whether you're hurting, it doesn't matter. We need to praise God and we need to call out Him. And it reminds us of our dependence upon God. Thirdly, it goes in with being a righteous person and the prayers of a righteous person. But the time we spend in prayer reflects the time we spend in prayer reflects the value that we have given God. If you look at how you utilize prayer in your own life, you will learn a tremendous amount about how you view God. If he is Lord and Savior, A response to Lord and Savior in prayer is adoration and praise and worship, right? But when you're grieving and you're petitioning and you're on your knees and you're calling out for guidance or for healing, then you're desperate because you know that God can do, but you trust His will. The time we spend in prayer reflects the value that we have given God. The prayer the time of prayer that you spend together as a family reflects the value that your family gives to God. And so if you're not praying with your family, your family as a whole isn't valuing God. so how can we really, how can we better pray? I'm going to give you four things, and it's just to help you to walk through this next week. And I am, I'm not trying to keep it, I'm, I'm going very, very quickly, I know. But I think these things can help us as we walk through James chapter 5, 13 through 16, and we look at some of the things that it's stating. One is, I want to encourage you, and this is something I learned as I was reading through D.A. Carson. Uh, D.A. Carson says to Plan prayer. Plan prayer. Doesn't mean you only pray when it is planned, but plan We plan everything else, don't we? Do we need to talk about the people, once again, who have an alphabetical list by aisle in the grocery store? We, we plan so many different facets of our life, and we plan things that what? Matter to us. We plan things that matter to us. And so why are we not willing to plan prayer if it really matters to us and and what we're wanting to see in our own lives? And so I want to encourage you to plan prayer. As a family, plan prayer. Kids, I'm asking you, if you don't pray together as a family, to go to a mother, to go to a father and say, Hey, what time are we praying today? Go to them and ask them. Moms, dads, do they say, hey, you know what we're going to do tonight, um, 6 o'clock or whatever time Maybe may be, 8.30. Uh, maybe it's this afternoon after the service. Guys, 2 o'clock, we're going we're to have time to pray together. I encourage you to do it tonight about 6.20. What's more important? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to play that card. Because... Um, but I'm praying continually. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Um, if you don't know the Super Bowls tonight at 6. 20. Okay. Um, plan prayer. Second thing: seek out people to pray with. It tells us, all right, this isn't me making it up. It says, therefore, confess your sins. This is verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That you may be healed, and it's not just about healing. It's also a confession of sin. That's not even a physical thing. That's, hey, you know what? I haven't done things uh, that are right with God, and I need strength, and I need help. And you need brothers and sisters praying together with you. Now, you need to be careful how you do that. If you're a grown adult, I would tell you, I don't think you should be praying with someone of the opposite sex alone. I really don't. Because I think the the two most intimate things out there are sexuality and spirituality. But when it comes to brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, come together in prayer. Come together and say, hey, I need this. And and, and you hold each other accountable. We know that mature believers invite what? Accountability. And so we have that opportunity to not only plan prayer, but to seek out prayer, to pray, uh, to seek out people to pray with. We find that right here in James chapter 5, being able to do that. We have friends who come over for game night, right? You ever thought about having friends come over for prayer night? That shouldn't be unusual. That shouldn't be awkward. Another thing I want to encourage you to do as you pray, a third thing, is to weave request with praise. Especially when we already live in a community and a society, we excel at making much of self and our woes and our our hardships, and so make sure that you're weaving the praise with the request or the request with the praise. Make sure that you're doing that so that it's not always focused on you and your hurts because even, uh, this is something I learned a long time ago, regardless of my hurts, my God is still great. Regardless of my pains, my God is still great. And so weave your request with praise so you you don't get off track because we are sinners. And when you know that you're a sinner, right, you know that you're fallen, but by the grace of God you have been restored and redeemed. When you know what your natural human tendency is, you have to fight against that. And so I fight against that tendency to make prayer about me by making sure that I weave in praise of the Almighty God. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to pray Scripture. Pray Scripture. Just to help you uh, a little bit of understanding what it is to to pray Scripture. Um, One of the things that I was praying Scripture last night, uh, after the retreat all the elders came back and we were able to go uh, to a home and with all of our spouses, and we were able to worship together and to pray together. And this is one of the passages that I was able to pray. It says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10 Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so then I'm praying. God, help us to only fear you. Help us not to fear suffering. We know hardship will be a part of the world that we live in. We know that tribulation is coming, God, but we will be faithful unto death. Help us to be strong and faithful unto death. And you start to pray that. And all I'm praying is the word of God. So I had just gotten out of seminary um, just 20 years ago. And as I'm getting out of seminary, I recognized um, I didn't really value my prayer life. And it goes through stages, right? But I needed to recalibrate my prayer life, and praying scripture did that for me because I don't think I trusted my heart anymore in many ways. I don't think I trusted my heart and what I was speaking to God about and and the things I was requesting of God and so In order to recalibrate my prayer life, I just started praying scripture. And it began with just reading a passage over and over and over and over and over. And then God would begin to speak and to show himself to me. And maybe that's something that you need to be a part of to do. You can even read and pray the scriptures of praise. You can go to Psalm 40, Psalm 101, Psalm 103, different um, places go to Psalm ninety-five and and just start reading those and it's a wonderful text to be able to pray in your own life. It can help you as a family as you engage in praying to the Almighty God. One of one opportunity we have as a church is to truly know what it is to have prayer as a default setting and to call out to God. And we need to petition God for his guidance and for his help and for his instruction. And so what we wanted to do, is, I don't want to just preach and speak to you about prayer in James chapter 5. I want us to pray together. And so I've got some friends I'm going to invite to come forward. Um, Jackie Van Dyke, uh, Steve Harper, and Luke Bilberry. And I want them to each just offer a prayer. And I've asked them if they would offer a prayer in a specific area. Um, If you don't already know, um, Jackie Van Dyke is teaching a a class along with Catherine Bilberry and some others on women of influence. It's it's coinciding with a class that I have about 140 right now signed up men, men of influence. We meet right here. um, And at the same time, there's a group of ladies doing the same thing. And yes, it's looking at scripture, but it's also calling out hey, this is what it looks like to be a woman of God today, a man of God, and I want her just to pray for that because we're we're praying for individual transformation in your life. We know that transformation is not a one-time event. Sanctification is not a one-time event. It's a continual process, yes? We just keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. Then I'm going to ask Steve. Uh, Steve is our community impact pastor and he's been working here a couple of months, but he's been attending this church for 30 years or so, 40, 80 years, 80, um, you look good man, for your, you, you look, you look presentable, um, and an amazing man of God, and asking for him just to pray about how we're to impact the community. One of the things that you're going to see this next year is an intentionality about engaging not only our community, the world, but in a very different way. We love the fact that we give a lot of money to missions, three times the national average. We love that. But we've got to use these things too. We're called to be the hands and the feet. And then Pastor Luke is going to be able to a- attend this service as well. And... <laughs> to be able to pray for our families um, and all that's taking place here at Chapel Point. So let's have this time of prayer.
1: Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you just so grateful that we can call you Father and that you are so, so good to us. And God, I bring before you the women of this church. I thank you for bringing so many of them to be a part of this body. And God, I want to lift up each one. God, I pray that we will know how deeply loved we are by you, how completely and intimately known we are by you. And God, help us to know you better. I pray that you will impress upon our hearts the the need to be in your word, God, I pray that we will be women who value your word, that we will prioritize our time so that we can spend that time with you. And God, I pray that we will be women of prayer. God, I pray that you will change our hearts, that you will change the things we value because of that time we spend with you. And God, I pray that our relationships and the work you've called us to and the ministries and in our homes and our families, Lord, that we will be women who seek after you and influence the people around us. God, I pray for those who are hurting today, so many different needs, and you know them all. And I pray that each one will know your strength, your power, your encouragement, your love. God, I pray that you will help us to find our security in you alone, our worth, our value, our purpose. God, help us not to look around us to different people or to... Uh, different things in this world. Lord, help us to look only at you for those things. And I pray that you will protect us from those lies that Satan is trying to uh, foist upon us every day. Lord, protect us from that. God, I pray for those who are lonely. I pray that that each one will seek out community. Lord, there are, there are many opportunities, and we need your courage to seek those out. I pray that no one will leave feeling alone today. God, I thank you that so many are involved in ministry and I just pray that we will make an impact on those around us, our neighbors, our families and a world that needs to know about you. In Jesus name, amen.
2: Father, we are thankful for just who you are and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ and you are worthy. And Father, we thank you for this church and where you've placed us in this community. You have a purpose in that. You have placed us in this community for the community to bring the light of Christ, to bring the water to this dry and desolate culture. And Lord, we're broken people. We saw a lot of hands raised about how many have been transformed by you. And Lord, even as we are broken vessels, we know that a broken vessel lets out more water than a, than a pure, perfect vessel. And Lord, as we go out from here, I pray you'd give our people courage that we would step outside these walls that we would take the living water to our neighbors you've placed each one of us here in a neighborhood with neighbors who you want us to tell about Jesus Christ Lord we ask that you would give us courage and strength to be the neighbor that you ask us to be so that in that relationship as it's formed the overabundance of the transformation that you've done in our lives will just outwardly flow to our neighbors and they will hear about Jesus Christ. And we will take the time to ask them where they are spiritually or what's up with them in God. And Lord, that we would be those people who take the transformation of God and move it out of these walls, bring it to this community so that your name would be glorified, not for Chapel Point and not for any of our own, but, Father, that you would be glorified to this, that people would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, because we know that is the only hope they have for all the situations that they're in. And, Lord, we just give you the honor and the praise, because we are asking this. And you say in Scripture, we don't have because we don't ask. We are asking, Father. And we know that it's in your will, so that we know you will answer. And we trust you for that answer and for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in us and go ahead of us so that your name will be glorified and people will know you as Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name.
3: And Father, we come into your presence because you are our Father. God, you call us by name. You call us sons and daughters and you are making a family. and So Father, we come and we ask for each home that is represented in this room. God, we ask for each home that we get to encounter, God, that your name would be lifted high. Our home and our family is not our own to get enjoyment out of life. It is not ours to just have uh, the right look in this culture but is to raise disciples to be outposts for your kingdom across this region. So I pray for the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and the moms and the dads and the students and the children. God, would you give us a greater understanding of what family really is? Because your church is your family, God. And you're leading us, you're guiding us And I think about each person here that you've raised. Scripture tells us that children are like arrows in a quiver. They're meant to be launched out to extend your kingdom. For each one of us as sons and daughters of you, God, would you send us out? Would you launch us into our neighborhoods, our schools, our friendships, every area for your name, and you're renowned God. We love you, Father. We pray this in your Son's name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Would you join me in raising a hand and just saying the words, "My God, My God. is a mighty God. a mighty God." Live in His truth, live in His power. know that we pray for you continually, sprint toward Him as you move forward in your faith. May God bless you and keep you. To God be the glory. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Take care.